there is one thing similar about all of it, that all eye contact is about value. Our eyes go to the things of value. What do the political classes, what do they want from you? Yeah, that's really interesting. Same, same as any other human being. What they should be mindful of in Zoom video meetings. Yeah, lovely, lovely. Your perception of me and what I need to do to cause your perception of me to be one of confidence. And, and then I'm concerned about how do I get you to go and tell other people? It's like, no, your, your, your family and your family's family and, you know, those, that eons of power counts for nothing on this land. And we can get across an idea about you that fits the idea of, for the country and it can be in the weave of the cloth because they will see they will see that and it will have meaning. It will have meaning. Yes. But I view confidence in a slightly different way than some might. In the, the Prince Andrew interview yes. with Emily Nicholas. Uh, Just going, they're going to be nothing. They're not a threat. They're not a friend. They're not a sexual partner. I'm indifferent to them. Mark Bowden, thank you so much for joining me. I'm delighted to be speaking with you. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. My pleasure, Connor. It's great to be here. Love what you do. And it's a it's a real honor and pleasure for me to have a chat with you. It really is. Let's find out a little bit more about your origin story, who you are. Tell us where are you where are you from, Mark? Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Northampton, which is 60 miles north of London, up the M1. It's a little um kind of dank market town, uh, was the shoe capital of the world at, at, at one point. It was actually going to be the the capital of London at one point in its history, and then it burnt wow. down. Uh, I think somebody probably set the fire, actually. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was going to have a major university, um, yeah. but Oxford and Cambridge um, petitioned, I think, Henry VIII not to give it a royal seal of approval to be, you know, the, the third Oxford and Cambridge. So, so it got, it's a massive town, but it got set as this little market town. It was the centre of the Civil War in, in the UK. You got writers there like Alan Moore. I don't know whether you know, you know, Alan Moore, but I mean, you know, renovated comic books. He's the guy who wrote the, the Joker, as we know the Joker now, very dark. Wow. So, so Northamptonshire and Northampton is 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 quite a Gothic rock. Gothic, came from yeah. Our house yeah. came from we're a, we're a, a band just down the road from me. You know, um, wow. so so it's it 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 was quite a a dark um, place. I then moved to uh, London uh, to study performing arts, and and I got really engaged in visual theatre. Which then suddenly became the, the 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 toast of of London and the world and Europe, you know, doing theatre without words, which suited me fine because I was dyslexic and learning lines. Not that I couldn't do it, but it was super hard work. I mean, mm -hmm. like super hard work. I'd have to sit in the bath for hours just focusing on the script and <laughs> just trying to trying to learn, learn, learn. You know, get them in my head. So it used to super annoy me when people would turn up to the set and not know their lines. It's like they know how how many hours it took me to <laughs> to, to know mine perfectly. So so anyway, um, I I got into visual theatre, mask theatre, uh, especially, 
uh, mm. trained with with the masters of that all over Europe, became very adept in it myself. And that was really the transition to then training other people, not only in theatre. So I, I trained people across the drama schools in um, and acting schools across the world. Um, but I'd go and fix shows. I'd direct shows, uh, work in TV and film, perform as well. But then people would go, well, can you do that for us in business? And can you do that for us in politics? So that's Brilliant. where the transition yeah. came of, wow. can I, let's just say, you know, choreograph mm. other people in order to get the message across in a silent way. And we all know from our understanding of propaganda, really, how important the silent message uh, is. You know, it's interesting that, that um, uh, you know, Hitler's triumph of the will, you know, Lenny Reifenstahl, is pretty much a silent film. Mm. You know, pretty much Chaplin, mm. ultimately. You know, it's a silent film to get that message across to the German people uh, in, a, in a fundamentally uh, aggressive and powerful way. So I've been obsessed with the visual image. Uh, that makes sense to you, Connor. It does, yeah, yeah, it does absolutely. Um, I love the, the 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 transition from acting and performance into making that transition can be challenging because people often assume there are assumptions we make about actors, there are assumptions assumptions we make about dramatists that maybe they wouldn't fit into the corporate space. Weird, weird assumptions. Mm. Uh, Look at American politics. Mm. How many actors, performers have actually ended up being president in reality or shooting one? Yeah. You know, <laughs> how many? Um, uh, look at European politics, playwrights, performers, comedians, actors mm. running the countries, you know, creating performers, writers, creating the the ethos of, of how they think the country um should should be especially in eastern uh europe former soviet blocks you got you got writers and performers who've decided how the countries have gone so we are the we are ultimately often the progenitors of the of the central ideas that are going to push a country forward mm. and then often the the actors that then perform those leadership roles mm. in order to push countries forward so i always find that thing of well you know you're just an actor what would you know it's like everything about this like yeah everything. yeah nations begin as stories and my professor shane Mara, I, I spoke to him recently about his book um talking heads he, he he outlines how they they begin as stories and the stories that we tell ourselves um did you move to Canada at some point, Mark? Was that a yeah. was that, that that was a big move for you, right? Yeah, it was a big was a big move. It was a big move, and and we kind of had it in mind. We bought myself and Tracy, uh, who actually co-wrote Truth and Lies with me, uh, fourth book, and and we're married, and we've been partners in 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 life and in business for you know, gosh, uh, over a quarter of a decade or so. Um, so. That's a quarter of a decade, quarter of a century. Um, so so we bought a place in Canada because you could at the mm. time. You probably remember something of London prices, you know. Oh, but... yeah. <laughs> I lived in London for three years, yeah. I remember okay. So well. you know, yeah, yeah, you know what it's what it's like. Great greatest city in, in the world, but tough mm. to live in. I mean, you you know it well, Connor. You 
when you're in London, you are competing against everybody on the planet. Like everybody comes to London at every in every area to go, can I play London and can I succeed in London? So you're up against the best of the best in the world, which means which means you you know, you can come away from London and into other markets and it feels like a knife, hot knife through butter mm. because you're just used to working and competing at such a such a rate. But it's it's hard. And a lot of the people that we knew were, were leaving London and going out into the counties and, you know, away from London to have their kids. We were having kids and and we bought a place in Canada because you could in downtown Toronto. Incredible place. Beautiful place. Never lived in it just mm. owned it because you could own it you know wow, yeah. and then we're like okay well we'll go and go there so I landed on the tarmac really knowing nobody apart from Tracy and, <laughs> and started and then got you know full head into this idea of how do I really take all this expertise from you know how you how you tell stories with pictures mm. and how you move people with moving pictures mm. take that fully into into business and politics in Canada and I hadn't mm. really realized that I was right on the American border and so and so very soon I was going into America and doing this and very soon the majority of the work was actually in the US which as you know mm. I mean that's a market mm. I mean that is you know arguably the the biggest market and 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 a very different attitude Mm. um you know you know you know the uk attitude you know the irish attitude which is different from the uk uh you know attitude mm. in many many good good ways <laughs> you know but but the uk attitude is very very closed mm. very closed the american attitude is super open you know once you've proved yourself on any level they're like well let's have have that and buy lots of it and let's yeah. go let's run with that so yeah. it was, uh, you know, Canada has been a, an incredible uh, opportunity. Um, I noticed as you're talking there, and let, let, let's talk a little bit about body language because you are yeah. undoubtedly one of the one of the world's great experts in it. Right? Thank you. You you use your your hands, you use your body, right? How important is and you make these gestures, and it's, it's clear. But I've been watching you for so long now; I can see the the, the thought process and the craft behind what you do. What can you tell yeah. me about using the body as part of communication? Yeah, so look, your brain, the audience's brain, everybody's brain, my brain is looking out for the visual cues in order to work out, can we trust the message or not? And it's looking for, first of all, one of the items is it's looking for, does the visual message support the verbal message? It, and we call that congruence. Is it congruent? Well, one of the ways I can make it very congruent is, for example, when I say the word congruent, I'm batoning on it. I'm moving at the same time as the word. I did that mm. just that same time as the word. And your brain goes, well, the movement fitted the word in rhythm. Therefore, we can trust the word. Well, can you? I mean, that's an interesting piece of logic that your brain is making naturally. You didn't learn to do that. You're, you have a, let's call it a pre-programming, although the brain is nothing like a computer. You've got a pre-programming to say, if the rhythm of the movement is the same as the rhythm of the words, trust the words. Well, now I know that about your brain, about my brain, about our brains. Mm. I can capitalize 
on that. I can make sure that I'm more rhythmically accurate so that you'll trust me more. And I can also go, if I see you do movements which are out of sync with your words, should I trust those words? But I can also go, should I critically think this and think, is there, are there other reasons why you wouldn't quite be in sync? And it's not about deception. It's mm. not about lies. It's about other stresses and pressures that are going on around you. And I can start to, for want of a better word, interrogate you, interview you about that hmm. so look yeah i am um i'm very clear about my gestures now you might think okay well then mark are you thinking about your gestures all the time well no because that'd be too hard that's neural overload you know i i can't do that but i've trained myself to be very free with my body hmm. yeah so that when i get the impulse to move when my brain is going hey m you know unconsciously move your hand i don't hold it back i let it go so I'm more likely to make bigger, bolder gestures and more of them because I haven't locked my body down. Now, there's there might be reasons at some points where I might choose to lock my body down. But again, now it's a, a conscious choice, not an unconscious choice. So mm. I think, you know, to, to, to tie this one up, I'm trying to make conscious choices about the themes of my gestures, the areas of it, rather than individual things. Like, for example, when I said individual things, I made a nice pinch gesture there, which mm. shows your brain I'm able to use fine tools. Mm. We can use needle and thread, which is a super fine tool, and your brain responds to that. Now, I didn't think about using that fine tool gesture, but I've, I've made sure if I want to make it, I'll really make it and I'll allow you to see it. So showing you everything mm. is, is a choice that I'm making. I hope, hope that makes sense to you, Connor. It does, yeah. Um, do you find opening up your body like that and using these, these gestures improves your confidence and gets energy flowing through your body? Is that part of it as well? Yeah, look, I, I, yes, it does. I think, yes, it does. But I view confidence in a slightly different way than some might mm. and, and this will be a bias in the way i'm trying to help people and train them is that i'm not worried about my confidence i'm worried about your confidence as the viewer i'm gonna i set up a, a model that says um i mean i don't walk around the planet going hey i think i'm really confident but you might walk around the planet and you might even say to somebody hey you should get mark on on your podcast he's really confident it's like, I didn't make up that idea. You made up that idea. And mm. it's important that you think I'm confident because when you think I'm confident, you start listening to what I have to say in a whole different manner. Mm. So then the question becomes, how, what do I need to do in order to cause your brain to go, Mark is confident? Which is, a, I mean, you don't know, but you mm. went, is, Mark is confident. Like that's a, that's a bold statement to make, so bold that you tell other people. So I'm concerned about your perception of me and what I need to do to cause your perception of me to be one of confidence. And, and then I'm concerned about how do I get you to go and tell other people that? Now, look, 
end of the day, I could disappoint. You could say, hey, you've got to get Mark on your podcast. He's super confident about what he says. You'll love it. And then I go on and I'm an utter disaster. And then your friend goes, Connor, who was that? That's a chimp. So look, you cannot disappoint people. Mm. But at the same time, you don't have to be that thing in order for other people to make you that thing Mm. and, and, and to be made that thing and then to deliver to delight them that for me is is more than good enough more than more than good enough i don't want to disappoint i do want to delight but that doesn't mean i have to be it from moment one you think um when i think of conference and what we're taught there's a cultural aspect to this because being static and in earth and inward yeah. i'm thinking like michael corleone and the godfather yeah, yeah, right. This kind of old school, this this quietest and the most silence in in Japanese culture, Asian culture, the quietest person in the room, the one that makes the least amount of um, noise, yeah, the, the most authoritative and the most confident. That's the yeah. opposite. So yours is yours is slightly performative. Yes. Well, look, let's think about those cultures. Japanese culture. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. Yes. American culture, hundreds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you may you may think that there's there's set hierarchies in America, and there are, of course, there are, mm. but they're not thousands of years old, not like they're thousands of years old in across Europe, and so and so how how does the Japanese person get to be so still and still in command, the the owners the 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 eons long ownership of power, mm. which we. You put that mm. person in America, they're dead in the water. Mm. They will not get a word in. It's like, it's like, no, your 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 family and your family's family, and you know, those that eons of power counts for nothing on this land. So you don't like you gotta come in and you gotta put your iron rod in the ground and hammer it in and defend that iron rod to keep your ground, to to get to have your homestead mm. right now. You, you're, you know, you only have that power right now because your families, you know, won it with with blades, you know, mm -hmm. thousand years ago. And good, yeah, good on them, great, fantastic. Mm. But that's that culture will not uh, transfer. So we've always got to look at uh, look. Culture is interesting because we all have the same instincts. Okay, we all have the same instincts, and we we. Uh, you know, we don't learn those instincts. They they rise to the top in us. They 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 have a development. We all have the the um, instinct to walk, and we develop that. And some people are developmentally challenged around that, and they don't walk as early, but they end up walking. Uh, you know, they get there in the end. Some some very small percentage don't, and they need to be looked after. But ultimately. We, we will get there. What culture does is to turn up the volume or turn down the volume on our instincts, tending to fit something that the land that that culture first developed in, the land required of, of that in order for social groups to survive in that land. Certain instincts needed turning down and certain instincts needed turning up. So if you take one culture and you put that behavior in another culture it's like it's it's alien it's a mm. different planet well why because you know um 
you know, British culture is not a desert nomad culture. It just, it just isn't. So if you bring your desert nomad, you know, behaviors, you know, here, maybe you don't, your family don't live in a desert anymore, but, and you don't realize you have a desert nomad culture. And that's why you do what you do. And that's why you have these, these traditions and nobody remembers why you do that, but you just, that's what you do. That's mm. what you do. And it's turned down the instinct in areas and turned it up in areas. You bring that somewhere else and, and you are, uh, alien and it and it's and it's tricky to survive in uh, with your behaviors in that different culture. You worked with did did I read somewhere a, a senior Canadian politician? Mm. Was, it, was it Stephen Harper? Or was it? I have worked with Harper. Yeah. Um, what do the political classes? What did they want from you? Yeah, that's really interesting. Same same as any other human being, they've hit they've hit a wall. Like, it's tough. I wouldn't do it. It's nuts. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, you think, you know, like, everybody hits a wall at some point. Everybody's mm. going at some point. If, if they're people who go, I want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and there could be more for me. And, and that's not greed, though it could be. It's just they're that kind of driven person where they see something that needs fixing or needs to be better and they think they know the answer and they do or they don't. But but there's very few other people going, I know the answer. The competition is is a small pack. And when you look at that competition, you go, is that are, they, are those the competitors? Like, yeah, those are the, all the people that held up their hands and said, I'll give it a go. And I think I know what to do. You've got this small pack in competition and they think they know they can make it better. And only time will tell because you don't know. I mean, you can have you can have a thesis on it. And usually in politics, that thesis is based on um, a set of values that are that are very, um, a very uh, set. And so and so, you know, somebody's somebody's leader for you is 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 the complete enemy because they don't hold the same values. But anyway, they hit this wall. And they go, you know, they just go, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to perform. They don't know how to talk. They don't know what to do with their bodies. They don't, and, 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 and their whole world is like, like a, uh, a social media comments feed. <laughs> it's like, it's like they're being hit everywhere. By everyone. By everyone. Mm. I mean, and on everything, on everything what they said, how they look, what their weight is, their hair. Do they look well? Do they look ill? Mm. Are they are they an idiot? Are they the brightest person ever? They're being hit by, by everything. And what you have there is just like this human being going, I just wanted to make, th I, think, I thought I knew what to do and I just wanted to make things better. Anyway, I'm the guy in the room who can be left alone with them and they can go, I mean, like, what do I do? Like, they, you know, they all say that I'm fat. I don't like it. <laughs> they all say I'm put on weight, and I don't. I don't want them to be thinking about that. I need to be thinking about the country. Plus, they have their kids reading all of this stuff as well. You know, it's they, they, their family are reading all this stuff. Did the actual, the, the, the microscopic analysis of their physical, physical features uh, and right. what they wear. I mean, right. wasn't Theresa May, weren't, weren't they constantly talking about her shoes and, and all this kind of stuff? All the time. All the, like... all the time. All the time. And and look, you know, it's not that we we don't know this is going to happen. The human beings are going to do that. We're going to do that. Mm. 
going to do that because we're looking because look like how do i know whether the policy is going to work or not what do i know like mm. i'm pretty smart and i understand politics and you tell me a policy like you tell me a policy at that policy level like okay describe to me the policy what has the bureaucrat written mm. yeah and my brain's going to go well who knows whether this is going to work i don't know there's so many factors it's it's very complex what's going on here so so us as the general public what have what sometimes what have we got other than well i don't like her shoes i mean how could she run a country in those shoes mm. <laughs> you know the next day going well those are good shoes i think i like a woman who wears those shoes and that's that's the woman for me mm. so don't they employ teams of people to advise them on the, the nuance the, the tiniest the, what they wear at the highest levels right gosh you'd, you'd hope wouldn't you but no no so so okay so <laughs> so it is so much especially at certain times you know in the political calendar it is so much more amateur than you would hope and that's probably quite a good thing mm. when it gets to elections in my experience when it gets to elections anywhere i've been in the world to do this it becomes about grass what they call grassroots mm. which is actually a very small amount of people who are who are you know they have other jobs and then they become you know the people kind of running the party and it's i mean it's there are some very odd people mm. involved in in that some very odd people it's like wow you're in charge of this like like i i can't understand what you like you're not good at getting on with people like you're not a good communicator Richard Nixon was notoriously, uh, he didn't do small talk and he was notoriously bad with humans. Right. And that's the person Disagreed. that the people who are running the party have put forward as, so there's our guy, like mm. he's good, like he's really good with the people. Well, imagine what they're like. Imagine the level that that they're at. So imagine, and, and they've got the budget, they've got the money, they're the bag, the bag people. So they've got the bag. And so imagine going to them and going, well, I think what we should be doing is hiring somebody to look after, you know, the shoes and somebody to look after the makeup. And, you know, we need somebody on the hair all the time. And let's let's go shopping and get some really nice clothes. You know, let's 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 suit this person out really, really well. They're like, well, you want to spend money on that for? I mean, mm. you know, we've got a limited budget here and, <laughs> and they're, they're doing the numbers. They're going. They're not necessarily thinking of the complexity of the of the of the picture. Mm. So yes, you would you would hope probably for you know if you're somebody who who has a party in mind and they go well you know I would like that that team to win and so that's my leader. You would hope that behind them is this propaganda machine that is that is filled with the best of the best that are going to get your person to win. And I would have to disappoint you to go. It's it's utterly it's utter amateur hour. It's like you wouldn't if you're a professional in it. You go in there and you and you go. You, you're going to say what? You say well, no. You can't say that. Don't say that. It's like no. Look, hang on. Let me write something down. Look, say do that. Say that instead. No, do, mm. no. Take off. Okay. Look, take off that jacket. Look, get him another jacket. Get another jacket. It's like mm. it is. It is kick, you know, kick and scramble to get this thing to get, you know, the amount of times that I've <laughs> I've gone, look, okay, we're going to go shopping. 
going to go shopping and here's who we're going to go and see and it'll be super easy for you we, we're going to kit you out in stuff that looks great on camera we've got 4k there's going to be 4k cameras out there every detail will be seen and it will be judged and we can get across an idea about you that fits the idea of for the country and it can be in the weave of the cloth because they will see they will see that and it will have meaning it will have meaning to them and it's like they haven't got the money for the shopping <laughs> they haven't got the money for the shopping and so they go on with that with the the salesman you know the 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 bad idea of the salesperson suit mm. on there and it's like mm. what a do what a disaster well you 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 picked on, up on this before very famously in the with prince andrew interview yes. with emily natalis um yeah where you you're able to spot uh, his knee his knee bouncing and as he <laughs> yeah. became more and more antagonized maybe uh d disrupted his yeah. knee would start bouncing it was just it was beautiful um and, and plus you picked up on his and what he was wearing and you picked up on what emily maitlis was wearing the kind of military yeah. garb um yeah. and you you feel you you, you did that was deliberate was yes i think so i mean I, i've i've since um heard a watched a fantastic interview with with Maitlis. Maitlis is, by the way, you know, a, in my mind, a, a complete, you know, goddess of the interview scene. I mean, <laughs> you know, a deity in there. J just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Mm. Um, and what was really interesting was to hear just how disrupted she was about this interview. For somebody who, who was saying, you know, normally... She'd do any interview and and know that you know there's gonna she understands the the severity of 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 any interview or or the 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 stakes let's say she's a pretty confident woman i mean you you know you'd think so and she she has a confidence she owns a confidence about her her work and her skill mm. I think she was saying this one you know all bets were off it was like she had the real jitters she would normally you know pack a few clothes to choose from she's packed she's she's packed everything like she hasn't made the decisions yet you know this is she she's this clearly has struck her at a a level of of risk that's way above what she normally does and so therefore you know I, i'm i feel a little even more vindicated only you know above my own assessment to say that whatever she was doing in that interview was a choice and she'd she'd have gone through a number of choices she was probably choosing from a way bigger palette than she would normally choose from on everything that she was choosing to do there because mm -hmm. i think this was a disruption to her normal patterns of of the kind of interview that she does she said she said like i knew i got one chance there was one chance at this to get to get the answers and her choices about following the story and trying to keep to the 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 strategy she had of just follow the story follow the facts and and you know and to the next one and to the next one and therefore i ask this question and therefore i ask this question mm. and and just that my guess would be like the dedication to her decisions to be able to stay on track in that, because everything that, that Andrew is doing 
and everything that's been set up there, although, the, you know, she, her team had had some control and were trying to keep control, there's another bigger control mechanism going on there, which again, Connor, like eons long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, thousands of years of control mechanism. Well, you're talking Buckingham Palace, yeah. right, which is which is designed to intimidate. I mean, Absolutely. you must intimidate the interviewer, but she wasn't. She wasn't. She was. I mean, she didn't appear to be, and mm. and you know, is, does that intimidate? What's interesting for me, her non-intimidation or seemingly non-intimidation, does that come from confidence? No, it came from decision making, and it came from getting a strategy together and holding on to your strategy, not for, not from like, well, I'm I'm good at what I do, so this will be the same. Uh, and that that heartens me because I I'd hate to live in a world where confidence is something that you're given. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, you know, that you're from some deity or something. It's like, well, I'm going to give Connor confidence. Like, you know, Mark gets none. <laughs> like, that's no that's no good. I want to learn how to do confidence. You I know? think it's very, very important what you just said there, Mark, about confidence coming from strategy and um, which right. strategy comes from planning. Right. So it all comes from the plan and stick in, in, in whatever capacity, whether you're an executive in, a, in the corporate world, whether you're a politician standing up in front of 5,000 people, the plan and the strategy, once you're rooted in the plan and the strategy, whether it's public speaking or whatever yeah. you're doing, it, it comes from that, from that space. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about the corporate world. Um, um, there's a couple of things that you have you have you have indicated in, in how people should conduct themselves and shown how people should conduct themselves in zoom meetings yeah and there's great stuff that you've you've shown people what to do we we are now working in a hybrid world in the corporate space so you're doing two to three two to three days a week remote and you're on zoom meetings can you just give people again a couple of pointers i know what they are but just for for people who are coming to this for the first time what they should be mindful of in zoom video meetings yeah lovely lovely and so for anybody who's who's uh watching this as well i will take i will take what you're doing connor and describe what people should do through what you're doing because you're doing a great a great job of it you look for example how big you are in the frame <laughs> yeah like your your head and your shoulders shot is taking up you know a good um, a good third of the frame at, at, at least, which means I'm not having to do so much work to find you. Like it shouldn't be my, it's not hide and seek. <laughs> it's communicate. So, so in the moment you make my brain look for you, then you've used up neural load and that new, it's a zero sum game. I only have so many neurons. Okay. And if you use my brain for something, you can't use it for something else. Like if you want me to take on a new idea, you know, that might be a little bit alien for me, like don't take up my brain with other stuff, other crossword puzzles. Okay. So you're strong, <clears throat> clear in the frame for me, which is, which is lovely. Now let's look around the frame there because my brain goes, okay, so I've got Connor here. And it, and it goes, so who is Connor? Can I trust Connor? Can I not trust Connor? And the brain goes, well, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know who Connor is. But what you've done is you've left symbols around you. 
which which you know you probably probably there's some some choices in there you know that that are going to help me understand do you hold the same values as me because if you hold the same values as me you're part of my group part of part of my tribe shall i say and therefore <clears throat> i owe you trust like i'm i'm bound to you by by trust and vice versa so there you are very clear up there is sapiens up in the which which you can you know if i hadn't have read that you would probably be surprised when we go mark you haven't read sapiens like what's going what's going on probably you know one of them in 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 my in 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 my area and adjunct to that you know one of the most interesting important books for a long long time okay so the moment you put up that my brain goes okay yeah good guy yeah yeah we, he'll be all right he knows what he's talking about this is fine this is this is good this is great so an indicator there of of shared uh values now the other thing you're doing is you're bringing your hands into the frame yeah you're making sure that your gestures are up now just like me you're probably using the table as a, a prop in front of you, which makes the whole call a little less tiring. Yeah. But it means that our hands can be up in frame and showing these baton gestures, these gestures that conduct along to the rhythm of our speech, um, uh, literal illustrator gestures, which kind of draw a picture of what we're saying. Again, helps your brain understand. Um, you know, so when I say when, I, when I, I can give you that pinch gesture or when I say big, I can do a big wide gesture or when I say small, I can do a compression uh, gesture. So we've got those in there uh, as well. So you can see the gestures that help describe uh, and understand. And then there's the things which are nonverbal, but not necessarily visual. Like I can hear that you have a a a, a good mic and it's up close, and therefore my brain isn't having to do so much work dealing with the distortions of sound that inevitably happen by moving digital information over long distances at a very cheap rate, mm -hmm. essentially. You know, this mm -hmm. is a very, although this is a, you know, Zoom is genius, one of my clients, by the way, fantastic client. Uh, so, so Zoom is genius, <clears throat> they are finding ways to, to send the signal cheaply, else it would be all too expensive and not everybody in the world could be on it all at once as, as we can be, as the system, you know, will allow us to do. So, so you're doing your best to collect the information, yeah, knowing that it's a lot of brain power if, if I have to undistort your, and actually my visual cortex will get used to, to, to undistort sound and therefore new ideas won't be able to enter into my head so i mean i hope that gives you some idea of, of some of the things you know be big in the frame let people see more of you especially your gestures put indicators around you to help people understand that you hold some similar values uh to them Brilliant. Oh, yeah. and one last thing like you're doing very well at getting eye contact with me. Now, eye contact changes from, from society to society, group to group, culture to culture. There is one thing similar about all of it, that all eye contact is about value. Our eyes go to the things of value. Hmm. If there's something not of value and something of more value in the room, our eyes will go to the thing of value and forget the thing of not value. Now, then whether we keep eye contact with that or not, that's cultural. Hmm. That's cultural. Like if there there could be some, 
we might go to a, a, a religious society where you must first of all look at the icon and then avert your eyes from it and never look at it again. First of all, you got to look at it. You don't knock it, not look at it. You look at it and then you avert your eyes. Some cultures you do that with the people top of the hierarchy. You look first and then avert your eyes. Some cultures you look and you keep on looking, but it's all about value. So because you're you're focusing with your eyes very clearly for me, it helps me understand or think, oh, Connor thinks I'm of value. I'm the thing of value here. That sends up my dopamine levels. I get more optimistic. I get more confident. Now, what do I do with that feeling of confidence that I have? I project it onto you. And I say, Connor is confident. How do I know that? I don't know that. I feel that and I project it onto you. I have no idea. You could leave this this um, this interview going, guy, you know, I was really worried about that interview with Mark. I would have no idea because I felt confident in it. Why you gave me that. You gave me that feeling and I projected it back onto you. Hope that makes sense to you, Connor. It does. And there's another thing you gave me, um, the Logitech 3 oh, yeah. 4K. Yeah. So I bought bought this based on Mark's recommendation. It sits at the top of the la laptop right here, and you can actually get a visual for everybody watching this. You can get it. You can get it right in your face. Sits on top of the laptop, and whoever you're talking to sees you. I'm also sitting in front of the mirror. Mark is absolutely right. I've chosen to fill the frame with those particular books. Um, some people will like them. Some people Don't won't. And then I'm, I'm trying to do some of Mark's gestures as well because I've learned so much. But um, yeah, so for Zoom meetings, there's a number of things there. Natural light are the lighting, like, like, like you said. You can yeah. buy one for 50 euros. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, another thing in the corporate world that people will be dealing with, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Alain de Botton. And um, one oh, of yeah. the, the ideas that he, he phrased was, he coined was status anxiety. Yeah. Right. I want I always I wanted to get your perspective on on status anxiety, um, whether it's you're going on Dr. Phil or whether you're standing in front of, you know, you're talking to a president or members of the G7 or whether you're talking to you're just walking around an office in Google or something. Yeah. This thing, this status anxiety exists. It's real. It's palpable. How do you handle it what, what's your perspective uh, well you know so i i would put that 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 status anxiety in an area of like kind of performance anxiety or um uh what else what else is it often uh called i can't remember the name the other name that it's often called anyway here, here's often the way i wake up of a morning <laughs> i go oh no what have you done now what have you done to yourself now? Because I know I've got that meeting and I've now gone past that ceiling that I was formerly at. I got comfortable. Like I got, mm. okay, you work with prime ministers, you do this, you do that. You know, people who run your fortune, 500 companies, you know, CEOs of the top 10 companies in the US. It's like, okay. And then you, and then you get that call and the meeting comes up and you go, now, now you've really messed it up because they will see you they you know these people will see this person will see past you you know and they'll imposter see syndrome imposter syndrome thank you imposter yeah. syndrome like like they will see that you have nothing nothing <laughs> and so and what is that you know what is that now i take heart 
because you know I've worked with with multi Olympic gold medalists who has who have imposter syndrome, and I'm there like going, look, literally you have you know two gold medals around. You've got this piece of metal that says you're the best in the world, you know, and it strikes me that the people who are the the top performers get the most performance anxiety. So at least it helps my, let's call it ego a bit to wake up in the morning going, well, maybe it's because I'm really good. But actually, maybe it's because I'm really good. But But then that doesn't help for very long. Because still yet, the brain is going, you don't know what's going to happen in there. You've never been in this situation before. You don't have any data that says this is going to go well. So now we're going to catastrophize. Mm. And we're going to say this is going to go, this is going to end your life and your career right now. Yeah, because my instinct wants to get me out of it. Get me out of it. So what I have to do is, is, is first of all, I cannot... Um, I cannot think my way out of it with an opposite idea of going, well, hey, you know what? I'm the best in the world at this. So so shut up, you know, a devil on my shoulder or angel on my shoulder, however you want to, you know, you know, uh, put Jiminy Cricket there. But, <laughs> but essentially, <laughs> it's a super ego, I think, uh, is going, is going, um, yeah, I can't. I can't talk to Jiminy Cricket and try and out out argue Jiminy Cricket because it's like it's 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 core, uh, it's instinct. Uh, you can't shut it down apart with some apart from with some lethal injections. So we aren't, we're not going there. So, but what I can do is say thank you very much. Like I, that's that that in the right place that would be really helpful. So I can go in the right place that would be really helpful. I'm not sure this is the most helpful place for this right now because i've i've signed up for this and that i've got this value that says if i say i'll do it i will do it so so i say thanks very much for your help and your advice on that i'll, I'll be going to do it I'll, I'll be going to do this yeah now that doesn't stop it mm. just helps the part of me the values part of me that says if you said you will do it you will show on time and you will deliver yeah mm. and that's an important value for me now, at the same time, how am I going to manage this anxiety? I'm going to do the behaviors of confidence. And I'm going to do it for them. Because that client, whoever they are, way above the ceiling that I've worked at before, they have a problem. I've got to remember that they didn't have to take this meeting. They chose to take this meeting. It means they have a problem. And their hope is, is that I can fix it. I can help them. So I owe it to them to go in and help. And part of my help is for them to see somebody who they believe is confident. And therefore, you know, the, the medicine is more likely to be taken and, and to be helpful. Now it's good medicine. I'm not, it's not snake oil. Like the stuff works. Mm -hmm. like I only do stuff that I'm able to go, this will work and this will work immediately. And you will do it like do it or don't do it. If you do it, things will get better. If you don't do it, they won't. I can't control you. Be my guest. Do whatever you like. You're a big person. You get to make your choices. But if you do what I say, this is going to work. So, so, so I go in with that attitude. Yeah, and I think attitude. I think it, it is an attitude, but it's brilliant because you've put. You're not obsessing about yourself. You're going in there to offer something and to help. Exactly. It's this inward-looking obsession that 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 helps create. And we're, we're always thinking about, okay, well, everybody's looking at me. Well, no, everybody's not looking at you. 
Right. You know, it's self-consciousness. Yeah. It's being maybe overly self-conscious. Of course, I'm always conscious of myself, Mm. but sometimes in stressful situations, I can get very, very self-conscious and I have to go, no, I need to be more other conscious. I have to be so much more conscious, to be more client conscious rather than self-conscious. And I can do that on purpose. I know the behaviors of that. I know what somebody does when they're more focused on them than they are on themselves. And I just go and do that as a strategy. As you say, I have a plan and I stick to the plan. And and by the way, I'll be executing the plan and there'll be all kinds of information coming to me, which I, even as an expert in my field, my brain's going, well, you don't know what that means. You don't know what they meant by that. Look, they just did that. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. This is going to be terrible. This is terrible for you. This is terrible for you. And I'm going, Thank you very much. That's very inf- interesting information that you're giving me right now. I'm sticking to my plan. I'm going yeah. with my plan. That negative self-talk, that negative self self-chatter can be can be really and it's the there's a there's a wonderful there's a great TED talk that you do where you talk about authenticity. Yeah. Right. And I was imagining you um standing uh, behind the curtain, just about to go on stage and and telling yourself, oh no, 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 no. And you come out and you have to be confident. And you yeah. know you and you deliver. And I think for for anybody that's watching this, that's looking to, that's thinking about public speaking and how to do it well, you'd have all the craftsmanship is there in that TED talk. Yeah, thank you. I'll put a link to it. Um, thank you. Can you tell me a little bit about it in terms of the authenticity as well? I'll put a link to it in the description box. You, you talk about authenticity in that. Can you remember? Yeah, yeah. So, so look, I, I've always had a little bit of a problem with authenticity um in that i i sometimes think it doesn't mean what people think it means or there or there's there's so many variations of of ideas about it that that it gets a bit mashed up as to what people may or may not mean by it and also the worst thing about it i i felt i would notice a lot of people doing what i called authenticity shaming which was you know if 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 connor if i didn't like some of the stuff that you were saying what I would be able to do is instead of going, hey, Connor, I just don't agree with with the things, you know, your views on this and here's why. And and instead of having a discussion with you, what I'd be able to do is go, well, Connor, I just don't think you're being authentic with me or, or with yourself. And it would it would absolutely stump you because now you've you've got to ex- like you've got to explain who you are what you're and and only you know that and I've come in with I don't think you're being that and like how would I know but if I can set up a culture whereby I can go around saying to people you're not being authentic or I can say to somebody else by the way when you listen to Connor watch out because he's not authentic at all it's like that is such spurious nonsense (laughs) bread and I hated, I hated all of that because it was such nonsense, and it, and it, and it, and it belayed to me or belied to me, so somebody who wasn't who who wasn't comfortable with just having a conversation, and just <clears throat> putting their own views forward and going, I think this. It's clear that you think this. I don't know whether we'll ever meet on on that one, <laughs> you know. But I'd quite like to discuss it, or like, or like, or like, or, or actually, what I could do, Connor, is go. You're thinking this. I'm thinking this. We do not hold the same values. I don't think we should ever meet again. I mean, it's just not going to. It's 
just not going to happen. But instead, I'd be going, Connor, I mean, just can we next time we meet, I'd just like a little more authenticity out of you, which is really to say, could you agree with me more next mm. time? Because I don't like it not being mm. agreed with it, but it makes me feel awful not being agreed. With. Anyway, I didn't like that about authenticity, in my view. And also there was this, so there was this idea of only authenticity, only being the real true you will ever get you where you need to be. And it's morally the way to do it. Like if you're not being authentic, you are some immoral, um, uh, it, 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 it appeared to me to be religious, almost, quasi-religious, in the same way that I might expect some religious people, but not all, to come up to me and go, well, Mark, if you're not reaching your goals through the way, then you're doing you're doing it wrong. And I might go, but I'm reaching my goals and my goals are good. Yes, but you're not doing it the way mm. it should be done. You're not doing it authentically. So it became moral. I don't like any of that stuff. So part of it was was a little bit of a rant against that. And also going, look, it's it's the nature of things to be social, to be in a society that we must co-opt with people who don't hold our values all the time or share all of them. But we must co-opt with them. We must get along. There is a middle way. Well, mm. also, we were coming towards the time of, of the person who was taking the middle way as being the pariah to everybody. If you weren't extreme this or extreme that or supporting the extreme of that, you were saying, well, I think there's a, you know, there's a deal to be made somewhere. Like you are the absolute enemy. Like you're the enemy of everybody because you will not take a side. And it's like, no, I won't take a side because I think I think there's a history of agreement, of agreement and, and concession and decide and, and 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 you know, making a deal. I think there's a history of making deals rather than having wars whether they be ones with steel blades or culture wars i think there's a there's a history of agreement that served us very very well anyway so so i do this talk about about deciding to perform in such a way that that helps you get on better with people who in your instinct your your authentic feelings you know you shouldn't be dealing with you don't understand, you don't like, or more importantly, you're just disregarding. You're just going, they're going to be nothing. They're not a threat. They're not a friend. They're not a sexual partner. I'm indifferent to them. And, and being inauthentic by going up to more people that you're indifferent to and finding out who they are and finding out what the deal could be with them. I was reminded when I was watching it, Jeff Bezos said recently in an interview that if you were um, somebody who was likely to tell the truth all the time and be your authentic self, it's highly likely you would have got clubbed to death in, yeah. in, in the tribe. Um, yeah. yeah. You study deception. Um, have you ever encountered someone so brilliant and cunning and deceptive that it left you impressed? Or is there anybody that... Like so, like you just you go, wow, that guy, that guy or girl is a genius. Can you think of anybody, or is there anybody that was? I actually, uh, caught, I actually yeah, I was actually conned on the street once. Conned on the streets of London once. Um, not difficult to get conned on the streets of London. No, uh, <laughs> but I've caught more than I've, I've caught more than I've uh, than I've been conned. But there was one where, as the guy left up the street. I shouted up, I shouted to him, 
that was brilliant. You're a genius. And I meant it. <laughs> that was brilliant. And the reason it was brilliant is I thought I'd conned him. That's why it was brilliant. It was a brilliant con because he found very quickly the thing that I was greedy for. Yeah, and he played the con to the extent that as he was leaving, a little voice in my head went, what an idiot. What an idiot. I just mm. got him. And then I went, oh, no, I didn't. He's just come out on top. And I was literally, he's now running up the street. <laughs> I'm like, brilliant. You're a genius. I mean, that was sticks in my mind so well such so so brilliant and i can look back at it and go yeah you did this and you made me feel great and you did this and you made me feel great but it but it was a greatness that i was hungry for and you you know that was it and in acting and the performing arts and the study of of drama we are we always are taught to try and figure out what does the character want yeah, because once you understand what the person wants, there's there's an element um, that that you can work with. Um, last couple of questions. What, yeah, sure. What what excites you about the study of behavior and body language? What what's coming down the track? Are you worried about AI? Is there anything that's exciting you or interesting interesting you? Yeah, you know, AI would excite me, although it never gets. Um, it never. It's not got good enough yet, yet. Maybe it could. Yeah. But here's, here's where it's failing. I mean, it's failing at all kinds of technical levels. But here's the, the, the heart of where it's failing and where it can never get. It's not, in terms of AI and analyzing or producing human behavior in a way that I can analyze or produce it, it's not having fun. It's not enjoying it. Mm. It's not, it's not fun. And, and like, I'm having like, this is a nice hour for me. <laughs> Talking to you about human behavior. Like, this is a nice time for me. And after this, I'll, I'll have to get back to some of the stuff that is, you know, is, is, is my day and stuff that has to be done, you know, for my work and for my business and for my life. And it will be less fun than, than this, which for me is talking about human behavior and analyzing it and thinking about it. And it's a lot of fun for me. Mm. And, and hopefully it's a lot of fun for you. And hopefully people watching and listening, they're going, well, that was a fun, that was entertaining, you know, from medieval Latin to hold on to. Like I held on with Mark for for an hour and it was, and it was, it was, um, you know, it was better than some things and, uh, you know, or, or, or less worse than others, you know, made my life a little bit better. And I don't see anything yet in, in AI that is is investigating or in or or interjecting into human behavior in such a way that I go that's really good fun like we could have a great time with with that that's very interesting that's going to be very very difficult for AI and the robots to fake that right um, yeah so uh, and and yeah um, I'm just thinking in terms of how it's worked into customer service, sales, the corporate space. Um, 
how yeah it's going to be it's going to be difficult there still will be a human need for human relationships and personal you know, it brings, and brings to mind there's a there's a um a sales um uh trainer out there jeremy minor and he's so often talks about delivering um delivering in a fun way and he does it very well he goes look you know i used a really kind of fun tone mm. there really fun tone yeah. but like how does he define a fun tone and how do i do my fun tone how do you do your light fun tone and and how does an ai produce that tonality because it works like you you go yeah when you use that tone it's like i i feel engaged i'm pulled in i'm pulled in on that the story yeah yeah and 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 look we could go look eventually ai will be able to produce the, the funnest fun tone ever and you'll be able to dial up the fun and down the fun and yes it's possible it's possible but is it having fun mm. do we trust that it is having fun because there could come a point in legislation where if if i am on in a conversation with an ai that ai must tell me that they are not human yeah they must tell me that you know mm. and so and so yes they can produce a fun tone but something in my mind goes yeah but you're not having fun are you it reminds me of something. I was uh, I was on on customer service to yesterday, and I I thought very kind of cheekily that I was getting. Um, I decided to ask the customer service rep, "Are you an AI?" <laughs> because because I wasn't getting anything back. I don't know if you've right, ever been right. on a chatbot where you're you're getting. Yes, thank you, Mister Ryan. I will yeah. answer your question shortly. Um, are you ready to 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 have the question? <laughs> So I was getting very frustrated because I thought I was talking to an AI, but apparently I wasn't. But um, okay. <laughs> um, so last question, what does the future hold for Mark Bowden and the behavior panel? Yeah, lovely. Well, we we put out a, a message yesterday that we have, um, we're doing a, a show, kind of a sister show to the behavior panel um, uh, on YouTube, which we'll always keep doing. But we've got a, a new show on Merritt Street, which is a new uh, US TV network founded by uh, Dr. Phil McGraw. Uh, an hour-long show every Friday we'll start off with. I think it's about 4 p.m. ET, 4 ET. And uh, it, it's the behavior panel. Well, will it go on YouTube, the... Mark, or will it be just be on network? As far as I understand, I mean, you know, as usual, it's, you understand TV and being a performer, former Connor, I'll be the last person to know any, <laughs> of course, <yeah. laughs> anything. Anything. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm the last person they tell. I mean, the news came out yesterday and, you know, it's like, I, I read it. This it's is what we're doing. Yeah. Like, I read it. I read it in the news. As I understand it, we will have a, a YouTube channel that, that will show elements or parts of, or maybe even all of those uh, shows, you know, Again, I'm not sure of their strategy. I know our strategy at the Behaviour Panel, our original YouTube, which is we will keep on making our shows week after week after week, showing up just as we have for probably about the last almost four years now, starting in, in COVID, you know? You you started just before COVID, I think, and you got the COVID bound. You know, we're always amazed that people want to listen to our, you know, our banter and our interest and our nerding out at this 
stuff, you know? I, and I, I don't think there'll be anybody watching this now that's not familiar with the behavior panel. But if I was to, if I'm an outsider looking at it, I, I would say it's the scientific deconstruction of behavior, the scientific analysis of behavior, with yeah. probably a focus on deception, right? We have to, would, yeah. would it be fair to say? Uh, well, yes, I think so. Because look, the, the way that I think the show works is that the drama is not between us. The drama is outside of the room. The drama mm. is the, 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 the crime or the, the deception or the, the interview of a celebrity where you're going, did that really happen? I mean, are you really telling us the truth around that? That's all outside of, of, of the room for us and the panelists to analyze together and to get on with each other. You know, mm -hmm. having having fun together, uh, looking at these outside situations, some of which are incredibly grave and some of which are just ridiculously stupid that people would go down that that <laughs> route, you know, and everything, everything else um, in between. But it is analysis of behavior. So everything that goes across that, not only body language, what people are saying, the context that they come in, something of the culture that they come in, the microcultures, the mass culture, the history. I mean, I just love putting stuff within historical context, you know, and how, how we are, you know, always products of the past in some way, you know, hopefully mm -hmm. moving forward somewhat, but always products of the past. Yeah, look, I find it, I find it fascinating. It is. And long may I continue. Mark Bowden, thank you so much. It's been oh, an absolute Colin. pleasure and privilege. Thank you. No, my pleasure. Great to see you.